Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Hi, Tess. Hi, Allie. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Um, I love being part of something that makes me think about the next time I'm going to talk with you. So... Yeah. It's kind of like reading a great book, especially fiction, and then you you don't really want to put it down, or when you're away from the book, you're thinking about the characters, or you're thinking about reading. That's how I've felt in the last couple weeks about getting together and talking on Jen and Millie, Um, particularly around the concept of maybe like our own reality or our truth. It's been a really interesting time to consider truth, and... um, I think we should talk a little bit about that today. But the first thing I want to talk about is, as always, we come from different generational perspectives. Mm -hmm. And we've heard from a few people that have passed along some generational quizzes because maybe, I'm going to be careful when I say this because I I don't necessarily believe it. Maybe the generation that you were born into is not the generation that you should be tagged as. Is that right? Is that how I want to say it? it's more and and I think this is maybe where your perception is like I don't maybe you align more with the characteristics of another generation versus a generation you were born into right but I can't say I'm a baby boomer when I'm not okay so we did this quiz and it says I'm a baby boomer (laughs) um which probably would have been the generation that I would have chosen musically okay um I used to say a lot when I was um In high school, I used to say often, um, I was just born in the wrong generation. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at this quiz, um, and it's a generational personality quiz from uh, somebody's capstone capstone project. (laughs) Remington Guy. We'll send this out. We'll send a link to it um, in our Instagram post from this episode. But it's just a one-page PDF. Of 10 questions, questions, 10 multiple choice questions. And the questions were kind of, I didn't really like the questions either. Um, one of, <laughs> so sorry, <critical>. sorry. <laughs> um, what's important to you? So here are my options. Your experience is respected. That's A. B, do it your way and forget the rules. C, being valued and needed in your workplace. D, working with other bright and creative people. I had a really hard time choosing that because mm. really D is very important to me. But C is also important to me, but so is A. They were all equal. I had a Except hard time. Do it your way and forget the rules. <laughs> I amazingly, but if I was to think about my younger self, my 18-year-old self said, "I'll do it my way." Yeah. My 18-year-old self was way more would have aligned with baby boomer than today. And. This one was easy. As a teenager, you, A, rebelled and challenged authority, B, respected your parents, C, friends were more important than family, D, counted on your parents for advice and guidance. That was A for sure, but C was a very close second. Hmm. So I think it's really interesting um, how that would determine what generation I align with, questions like that. Some of them didn't make a lot of sense to me about like um, compensation in a job well done. I was looking more in um, value or 
worth. When I get to go out and do strength days like I did yesterday in Fairbury, that was everything about that made me feel like a job well done because it was conversations I had with parents, with mentors, with mentees, with school staff, with the coordinators, on the radio. Everything made me feel like the day flew. Literally, I looked up at the clock and thought, it's it's 6 o'clock in the afternoon, and I left at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking, how did yeah. this happen? Mm-hmm. And it that's a day that's full and full of meaning for me. Yeah. And those days fly by. Had nothing to do with money, vacation, title recognition, or compensation in here, mm-hmm. which the type of reward that, that the question is, what type of reward motivates you? My reward is in what others, if others walk away feeling like they're taking something with them, their takeaway, then that's my, that's my reward. It's interesting because I understand your reservations and, you know, this one, it was just kind of this fun random worksheet that was passed along to us. But I think there is something to be said about feeling like your characteristics align more with another generation. Now, I can't say I'm not a millennial, right? But I fell at 25, which was actually both a traditionalist and a baby boomer generation. And you've said it. I've had so many people throughout my life say it that I am an old soul. You are an old soul. And I feel like I align a lot more with maybe some of the values, some of the um, uh, patterns, behavior patterns that we see in older generations. Now, I'm a millennial. I was born a millennial. I can't say I'm anything other than that, Mm -hmm. right? But there is something to be said about feeling like you have more of a kindred spirit with other previous generations. The word belonging. I like that. Mm -hmm. You belong in. Yeah. I liked that a lot. But it made, um, when we were talking about this uh, pre-show, when we were talking (laughs) about this in the green room, I said... (laughs) AKA our desks. (laughs) I said to Tess, I don't, I didn't really like it because it didn't seem, can you find another one, I think I said, can you find another one that's more accurate? Because she sent me a BuzzFeed one that was absolute junk. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was horrible, yeah. Pick this image kind of thing. So, you know, is there there a better uh, generational uh, quiz or generation personality quiz? And she couldn't really find anything, and I said... It's interesting because this is based on perspective. So the thing that I've been pondering about recently quite a lot is the word truth and what truth might mean. And I think that I've said this quite a few times in lots of conversations in the last couple weeks, that each of us come to the table with our own perception of what is true. So the example I gave today to Tess was about, you know, what if, you know, we suddenly told her that her name was Felix and not Tess. If she was willing to be Felix, it might change things a little bit in her, how quickly would she adapt to that? So I think a lot about in in terms of relationships and also in terms of the past. And I, I believe that, so I'm the oldest of five. I'm going to use my family as an example. I am the oldest of five kids, 10 years spanning between the oldest and the youngest, uh, two, two boys, three girls. And each of us has a different version of a lot of different events. Sure. Each of us, if you were to recollect the time that our Christmas tree um, ended up falling over, some of us can re- recollect that 
with absolute confidence that it was because my little brother ran up Spider-Man mode to the Christmas tree and jumped on it. And it came down with him. I mean, he literally jumped on it, went to it. It was in a corner of our basement. And then it just kind of, I mean, he tried to latch on like it was a real evergreen or something, and it just over. Others think it was the dog. And I thought about that because we all were there. There's not a huge gap. I mean, 10 years is a, I mean, granted, if my little sister was three and I was 13, there's a little bit of a difference in, in, in memory. Sure. But there is a completely different version of that moment, that truth that we all bring. Mm-hmm. I thought a lot about that, and then I happened to read an article from On Being, which I put on the Mentor Resource Library about trauma and the way that the body remembers. Yeah. And the younger you are, actually the more your body remembers trauma Mm -hmm. or truth, the factual event. So I started really kind of pondering that, and now I just almost sit in awe of it in every conversation. Did that really happen that way, or is that someone's perception? So part of me leading with um, communication as my number two is that I am a gifted storyteller, and I live in stories. So a lot of the stories that I have repeated are stories that I did not witness, but stories that I have been told that I believed were the truth. They may not have been. And I have repeated those stories to others as truth when it actually might have been just someone's version of the story. Mm -hmm. So I've really pondered that a lot, a lot. And in recent events, There's just a lot to think about. I mean, we all have a certain level of this is me and my truth that we bring to the table. So that's kind of what I thought would be a great thing from the generational perspective as well as and along with strengths. I think my input in communication, I'm going to strengths about myself, is saying I gathered the story, I like to tell the story, I also love to add color to the story. My kids would tell you, and so would my spouse, that I do exaggerate at times. So if somebody was going 10 miles over the speed limit and went past me on Dodge Street, I might have said they were going 700 miles an hour down down Dodge. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So that, Mm -hmm. but if someone is hearing that, if a younger person or someone who is just overhearing a conversation hears that, that's not exactly that's not true. Yeah. That's just the color that I add to the mm-hmm. story. That's interesting. So I've been thinking about that and also in the way that passing down stories has changed. Mm-hmm. All of those in my life um, have been one person verbally telling a story to another um, or written. There's not um, necessarily a podcast sure. um, from the story that I, that I learned growing up. So some of those things that have come to us because of technology – have shifted a little bit in the way that storytelling happens. Hmm. So that's what I was really excited to talk about today and could not wait to hear what you thought. So I love this. It's It makes me think of the, it, the word that you used, when things happen, that all kind of 
collide together, right? Uh, synchronicity. Yes. Is that the word you use? Because I had a very interesting conversation yesterday, actually, with um, a woman at church invited me out for coffee, and I she kind of does this um, online blogging ministry, and um, and so I was kind of like, okay, it'll be great to just talk with her and um, kind of see what's up, and. Um, in, she was asking me a lot about, um, you know, my seminary training and my background in studying the Bible and biblical languages, and um, and she was talking about how she had this desire to go back to school because when she writes for this blog, it's this Christian motivational blog that she started. Um, she's like, I just don't know what is like the right thing, right? When I read a commentary and they say two different commentaries and they say conflicting things, I don't know which one is right. So I kind of told her, I'm like, I'm sorry, Megan, I don't think any, you know, all of them could be. Right. None of them could yes. be. Yes. Right? Because, I, and I literally remember saying this, which is just why I have to laugh, said truth is subjective, right? It is totally dependent on the person's perspective, right? Because you can dial back, especially in, in our frame of reference, we're talking about like interpreting scripture, all the way back to the original language, you can be looking at the exact same word. You can both have the exact same background of study in Greek or Hebrew or whatever you're looking at. And you can read that same word and think about it in two different ways. Think sure. about it in ten different ways. Sure. And so I told her, I was like, I'm sorry, but there isn't one right way to interpret things. Everyone has their own arguments and their ideas of what is the correct way to interpret Scripture. Um, but each of those are different truths, right? They're different perspectives that they're bringing to the table. If they come from Catholicism or they come mm-hmm. from the Reformed Church or mm-hmm. they're coming from Anglicanism, like they're they're all having these different perspectives and even people within that, the varying degrees um, and differences with which they see it, even though we're looking at the exact same word in the exact same language, right? So do you think because we both have high individualization, it's in your top five and it's in my top 10, that we mm-hmm. more readily accept that? So actually, my argument would be the strategic. Really? Because I think that, and and take this for what it is, because I was trying to mold this over, but there's something about strategic that does see things in black and white, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it lives in the gray with the ability to see black and white, right? It lives in this place of seeing all of the different patterns and options, so it has the ability to flesh out all the grayness, and it can see the extreme of the white and the black while looking at every single shade mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. to get you from white to black. Right. Well, and I also think those of us with high strategic, because we're anticipating the gray, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Figuring out how we're going to navigate through this gray, we better have some parameters around accepting gray because we know it's coming or we know it's back here in the past I mean the gray is inevitable yeah so I I thought about that I also thought about and I love that that came up for you because it came up for me um, in the last couple of days I as um, those of you who listen and know I do morning meditation and I focus on it's really hard for me to sit still for 10 minutes without my mind wandering so I do focus on chakras and so um, your crown chakra is your higher power chakra, you know, intuition, communication, um, heart, love. And then here in your diaphragm is, you know, where you're in your power. And so sometimes, no, I shouldn't say sometimes, up until probably the last week, I have interpreted power means you better speak up 
Allison, you need to stop messing around with your boundaries. You need to say enough's enough, step up into your power. And then recently it just came to me, probably here through the crown chakra, your power is also in shutting up. Mm-hmm. Your power is in waiting. Your power is in, can you just listen and allow things to happen? And your power is in kindness. Sure. So can you step up to the table and instead of seeing step up into your power as stand up for yourself and fight about this, but can you listen to that person mm-hmm. and where their perspective is and what their truth is? And can you really try to help them feel like they belong, like they're heard. And I had to practice this and I didn't expect it, but we had kind of a family dynamic thing that came up and I had to practice that. And I was kind of amazed how it wasn't easy, but just the thinking through that I really believe that as humans, we all have a need for belonging. We all have a need for Someone saying you're valued, you have worth, um, you matter. And I think every single human that we interact with has a longing for that. Mm-hmm. So am I doing everything that I can every day to allow that person to feel that when they're in my presence while also honoring my own boundaries? And um, interestingly enough, Lauren is in a new work situation and she likes to call me and, you know, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure about this. And she's explaining some of the things that she's experiencing and she's handling it really well, better than I would have at her age, probably better than I would right now. And she said, I was able to sleep tonight, or I'll be able to sleep tonight because I did what I could with the resources that I had Mm -hmm. and I'm going to trust that that was my role. And then it's handed over to someone else now. And with their resources and their time and their talent, they'll be able to do Hmm. what they need to do. And I thought, that is really powerful. Mm -hmm. If we think every single person I interact with. I yesterday learned about the path of someone that I thought I knew pretty well, had no idea what was going on in their life and their personal battle and they're still showing up and I thought I you never know you just have no idea what people are walking around with Mm -hmm. or what weight they're carrying and I think maybe step up into you know be strong step up into your power means you could it's powerful to be kind to someone it's really powerful to hear someone's version of where they are even if I don't agree or even if my version of the story or the truth is different. So Mm -hmm. it's not easy, and I'm not saying it applies to every situation. Because I'm sorry, you can tell when people are lying. (laughs) (laughs) This does not exonerate. (laughs) This does not exonerate liars. Um, But (laughs) just to clarify, but what I think is there are sometimes, for whatever circumstance, a story that people will tell themselves in their mind that if they continue to tell it themselves that story, they may do it sur- for survival, they may do it to get through the day, they may do it for whatever reason. I wonder how long they have to tell themselves that story till they believe it. Yeah. And that story could be, you are a value, you are worthy, or that story could be something that's not positive. It could be yeah. you know, a, a complete aversion of the truth or whatever that is. But 
we all have stories that we tell ourselves and we tell others Mm -hmm. that I think somehow land in our in our spirit Mm -hmm. so I'm trying now to do a better job that with everyone I interact with Mm. what story am I bringing Mm. and what story might they be bringing that's good it's good to think about that I think we can get so in our own heads that we forget that other people bring stories and bring different perspectives and um, I was drawn back to I think you were the first one that shared this with me of uh, the situation that Brene Brown shares about when she was going to speak at um, uh, one of the previous places she'd spoken at early early on in her career and at this point she'd gotten world famous New York Times bestseller and was kind of doing this with um, a little bit for sympathy or like thanks for helping me when I first got started and um, when she went to arrive to speak they had her sharing a room with another person and um, and this woman was already in the room and she was eating a cinnamon roll Mm -hmm. right yep and she was like licking her fingers and wiping the cinnamon roll on the couch and Brene was like first off disgusted that she had to share a room with person of her another person and then looking at this woman and she was like what on earth are you doing right and then it took her um, like removing herself and really thinking through what if that person was just doing the best that she could do, right? Yes. And if you assume that instead of assuming the negative, it just radically changes how you view the situation. And I think our default is to go negative, right, when we're relating right. to other people, but also our own self-talk. Yes. It is incredibly deprecating when if you were to take apart, I would love to do an experiment where we just took people's thoughts about themselves out of their head and allowed them to see that or allowed others to see what they were saying to themselves. Mm-hmm. I catch myself all the time saying, speaking negative things, you're not good Absolutely. enough or you're not worthy or what you just said doesn't matter or it was wrong. Just these things over and over in our heads and knowing that other people are probably saying the same thing. Right. Um, what you were saying made me think a lot about um, um I talk about it a lot, like the greatest, the longest seven inches is between our head and our heart. Yes, we've talked about that before. The longest seven inches in the world mm-hmm. like, is to, to move our heart, our head knowledge to our heart to know that like, okay, what I, you know, I'm not, I, I am worthy enough, right? I have all that I need right. to have. I, um, I do bring value and contribution to this team or this group. Um, but then to really believe it, that's a different thing, right? right? And to believe it for long periods of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually do a lot of the writing down, the things that come to my mind. It t- mm. tends to be for me right away in the morning. I wake up with thoughts of what I didn't get right yesterday mm. and or what do I need to do to make what I didn't do right yesterday better for today. And I was thinking about after spending time with mentors and mentees and just hearing from both sides Mentors are so proud of their mentees. And mentees are so proud of their mentors. Mm-hmm. It isn't, I mean, I, yeah. I have yet ever to say to a student, who's your mentor? And have them say, oh, well, it's, it's Bob. <laughs> I mean, they're just, it's yeah. Bob. Do you know Bob? Mm-hmm. And they're so, but they're not going to tell you that. They're yeah. not going to tell the mentor that they will tell others and they have this this sort of I believe in you towards the other when we know that that student we have that student could be carrying a lot of negative self-talk or a lot of doubt about where they fit or a lot of how will I get through today so that I can 
think excitedly about tomorrow because I'm just trying to get through today. But mentors are, I think we doubt our influence. I think if I did a better job showing up for the rest of the world the way that I show up for Haley, Mm -hmm. I would, I would make a significantly better difference just overall. If I treated people in traffic the way that I, (laughs) if I looked forward to seeing someone next to me in traffic the way that I look forward to seeing Haley walk down the hallway. And that's, that's a shift in my reality. I am overjoyed to see her each and every time. It's kind of, um, poor Sean. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing the best he can to dodge me as a mom and I'm just not, I will have none of it. So I, you know, how's your day? How's it going? And Sunday he tried to get out of Sunday lunch, which has kind of become our, our new tradition. And I said, I will have none of this. And sorry, Sean, if you're listening, but I doubt you are. I said to him, um, I said, this is not optional. And he said to me, you no longer get to dictate how I spend my time. Hmm. Ooh, ouch. Which is accurate. It's accurate. That was an accurate statement that I heard from my adultish son, but it stabbed me so hard in the soul that I just kind of took a breath, and I said, I would really like to see you. And he said, okay, fine, well, it's not going to be for very long. And then we end up spending three hours. So, but... One of the things I sat down with him and said, I said, please give me this time, okay? I know you have a lot of things going on. I know, you know, I said, this is important to me. Please give me this time. And then I said, if I have not raised you and your sister to understand that quality time with others is important, then I have failed. I mean, I was straight up as raw and real as it gets, vulnerable. And he said, I know that, and I do. Mm -hmm. And... I was kind of surprised because I do think deep down he knows it. And then later we were standing next to each other at the Target checkout line that could have been because I bought him three boxes of chewy granola bars that he he put his arm around me and said, thank you. Mm. And my thought was I could have chosen to get mad or a lot of different things about that, but I just Mm. tried to say this is important to me. So I brought my perspective my truth to it but I allowed him to have his and I said when he told me you don't get to dictate how I spend my time anymore I said you know what you're right and then I wanted to pick him up and pick up his stuff and take him home and lock him in the basement (laughs) (laughs) it was just really hard but that's a true statement yeah and that's his truth right now yeah my parents no longer get to tell me where to be, and we're learning. Mm-hmm. We're learning through that. So yeah. I, I would challenge anyone, everyone, to really pause and think. And I don't care if it's an interaction at work, an interaction with a family member, an interaction at the grocery store, to just pause and say, what perspective or truth or version of today is this person bringing right now? I see that a lot in the grocery store. You ever watch that show? Sometimes I can't watch it because I can't watch people get embarrassed. I get really upset. It's um, <laughs> like, what would you do? No. So they set up these scenarios. And, I mean, it's one was somebody just degrading. It's actors. Somebody degrading oh, a woman who was using no. food stamps. 
And then the checker, okay, so the woman goes to use her food stamps and the checker makes her feel terrible. They're actors. And then they show what people who are not actors are doing to react. I know. I can hardly watch it. And Mike loves watching it. And because and I think because he believes in the in the good humanity and they always have someone who's on there that says, you know, they do it the right way. But there are also people who don't. And they, you know, treat them terribly. And it's kind of this scenario where you see people are just assuming and they'll ask them, you know, why you know, they finally come in and say, Hey, this is a this is an acting situation. Sure. Why did you respond that way? Mm-hmm. And if it's someone who hasn't done things <laughs> nicely, they usually have their face blocked oh, out. Yeah. But they'll say, you know, because people like this or this person or when I grew up it was mm-hmm. like this, and it's that implicit bias. Yeah. That's this was my truth once or this is what I think based on stories from others. Yeah. That I'm now going to share that. Yes. And I think it's easy when, and when we talk about like the mentoring situation to tell ourselves stories about how it's going, right? And mm-hmm. I even think I have just an awesome relationship with my mentee, but there are times or like not necessarily awesome relationship. I feel like we're building that, but there's some parts where I don't feel like I've quite like cracked through to her, you know, sure. we haven't had, you know, super deep conversations, um, gotten to know each other through match. This is our third year. Um, and so I, sometimes it's really easy to doubt the impact, right? Just like you said, it's really easy to think what difference is this making in her life? And, um, and I think that we can doubt that until like real life hits and the foundation of the relationship is put into practice. And so my mentee's aunt was killed in a car accident um, this last week and two weeks ago. And oh, that's um, her aunt was 21. Oh, and her boyfriend was in the car as well and they um uh so i had come just a normal mentoring time uh last monday so like a week ago a little over a week ago and had come to my elementary school and the principal stopped me like as i was at the signing book and she was like the counselor the building coordinator she is on lunch duty so she isn't able to chat with you but we wanted to catch you um before you met with zakariana before she came down and um and so she explained the situation, what happened, and she said, um, all of um, Zakariana's siblings are not here. Um, they stayed home. We didn't think she would come, but she came because she knew that you came on Mondays. Um, and <laughs> I know I'm going to cry, and you're sitting here, you know, you're crying too already, but that's okay. Oh, but um, t- to know that, like, that she could have and she would have stayed home, but she wanted to come because she knew that I was going to be there. And I didn't know she would bring it up because we don't really talk a whole lot about, like, her real life. The most that I know about her is from what the guidance counselor, the building coordinator, has told me. And, um, you know, she has a single mom of four kids, and um, but their whole extended family unit is really close. And so this um, aunt that died was like another mother to her. Sure. And, um, and so she told me right when we met, she's like, so this happened this weekend. Two days ago, my aunt died. Um, and so I, you know, we talked a little bit about it and I asked her if she wanted to talk more and she wanted to play a game, but as we played the game, she was talking and processing, um, what, what had happened, you know, needed something probably tactile to do while her, her emotions could process what had sure, happened. Sure, sure. Absolutely. 
just to know that like she wanted to come to school because she knew I would be there and to know that that's just my job is to show up like I didn't know that I didn't I didn't know exactly how to counsel or walk a young person okay. through grief but I don't need to right no. I just need to show up for yes. her and it's taken a lot of my laying myself and my pride down and my my thoughts of how can I best support her and how can I be there for her mm-hmm. what resources do I need to read and well it's I went to the MRL and looked Yay. up like I was dealing, just gonna ask you that dealing with like difficult issues and and looking through some of those resources and and they're helpful and I'm so glad that we have them and, but I also know that just showing up it's just is showing all up. I need to that's, do. That's right? it. And so this week when I came, I we had planned like two weeks ago to make slime, and the supplies didn't come in. And so I finally got the slime supplies. And um, so I showed up and we made slime. And that's what we talked about. She told me a little bit about the funeral, and we made slime. That is huge. So two things. One, I mean, you are such a consistent mentor. What if you wouldn't have gone? What if you just thought, oh, I got a lot of stuff to do, so, you know, she won't mind. I'll reschedule. What if you wouldn't have gone? I know. And having been a kid, a little kid, who experienced grief, not everybody is willing to ask the question of, do you want to talk about it? Because not all grown-ups are even comfortable just being in the presence of someone talking mm-hmm. about it. So that's huge. And there's so much about, I mean, you have, you have an awesome mentee and you guys do the mm-hmm. coolest stuff. And I, I, there have been a couple times where I thought, okay, Tess, wait till she gets to middle school age and then we'll see how great it is. But your, your real life mentoring moment has now happened. Yeah. When you, it's, it's not about the activity yeah. or the fun. It's about. It's about showing up. Mm-hmm. I show up. I um, interesting. I had a conversation with my nephew. He was asking about my job, which I think he believes that is completely made up. Um, <laughs> he's like, "So what is this teammates thing?" And so I'm explaining it to him, and he just he didn't buy it. <laughs> so he said, "You're telling me that there's going to be an adult who comes to the school, and they come in and they play. They do what?" They do what? And I said, they you know, play board games or what? And he said, they come in and they play games with you. And he's just, <laughs> and you got to know Ronnie, he's kind of just, and then he'll he'll walk away and come back. So he walk, <laughs> he walk a little bit and he'd come back and he'd say, okay, so, okay, this teammate's thing. So they're going to come in and they're going to play games with me. Well, how much does it cost? And I said, it, it, it doesn't cost anything. So I could be in teammates if I wanted and I said, Yes. And then he kind of walked around a little bit, and then he came back, and he said, okay, so they're going to come in, and they're going to play games, and they're going to play whatever game I want. And I said, yes. And, I mean, each time it was he was building the foundation on the other question. So he was really pushing me. Like, you said this before, but I bet if I say it a little bit differently, you might change your mind. He said, so how many times do they come? And I said, one time a week. And he said, just for the year? And I said, no, for many years, until you graduate and beyond that. And he said, What? And then he said, what do they get paid? So you get, you, get, you get paid to do that. And I said, no. And he said, they show up and do that, and they don't get paid anything? And he was from this pure this level of innocence that was just, it was innocence, but yet at the same time it was doubt. Yeah. 
Like, you got to be kidding me. And it gave me such a frame of reference because, first of all, I thought, I have not done a very good job (laughs) explaining to my own family what teammates is, if my nephews (laughs) don't know. Um, But also, that's the perspective. He is, he cannot believe that you're just going to be there. And why would you? You know, that, and he is a, he's a phenomenal kid. He's not a kid who, you know, would be, you know, grown-ups don't do anything nice to him, but he's not like that or anything, mm-hmm. or expecting. He just kind of was thrown by it. Mm-hmm. You, this concept of somebody's going to do that? Mm-hmm. And I thought a lot about that level of kindness, mm-hmm. that we, we thank our mentors a lot, but do we ever – Thank them for the underlying tone of kindness that is in just showing up for someone else in good times and in challenging times. So, oh, she's so lucky to have you, Tess. I'm so lucky to have her. I just. But it was just interesting as we're talking about, like, this idea of truth. And I think sometimes it's not even vocalized, but we need to approach Situations with an awareness that there could be a different story being told, right? Right. That if the the, pres- the principal hadn't stopped me when I came in, if if Zakariana hadn't told me, that reality still would have happened, right? She still had died two days ago. But if no one had let me know, I wouldn't have. If I hadn't taken a moment in all moments to think, what if there? What else might be going on? Yes. Or what story might they be saying? Or what if, you know, what if she had been? angry or had not shown up you know I shouldn't assume right I should say what if she's doing the best that she can mm-hmm. right because her aunt that she was very close with died a couple days ago you know I didn't might not have known that narrative or that truth or that reality behind it but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't judge the reaction that comes out if I didn't know what had come behind it right and I feel Absolutely. like we experience that a lot and I feel like the people that at least in my, you know, in my world that I'm quick to judge or um, the assumptions that I make, oftentimes there's something underlying that I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of um, people at the church that I go to, it's um, not in the best neighborhood, not in a bad neighborhood, but we draw Mm -hmm. a lot of people from the rougher parts of the city Mm -hmm. that have, we have a lot of our congregation that are on um, free and reduced lunch mm-hmm. food stamps mm-hmm. that are recovering from heavy drug and alcohol addiction or mm-hmm. that are still in the midst of it right. trying to get out of it right. and instead of you know judging them for what they might be wearing or the language that they might use right. not being able to use complete sentences um, what if I just said what if they're doing the best that they can you know what if I assume that that perspective is what they the best that they can bring at this mm-hmm. point right. um, and choose to meet them right where they are you know right where they're at and I think we make big assumptions based on our own expectations yeah yes. and so I'm trying to get into the practice of what I tell mentors to do but need more practice in myself which is check my expectations at the door mm-hmm. I in my role as a step parent in my role as a wife, a mom, a sister, a daughter, an auntie, how can I check my expectations at the door? And some of those relationships, it's really easy. So when it's easy, I'm like, yeah, I absolutely can check my expectations because I'm being non-judgmental <laughs> on this person I really like. Yeah. But mm. if I'm not, that says more about my character than anything if I can't be consistently open-minded. And consistently non-judgmental and consistently honoring and offering integrity. And I've really thought about that because 
that takes work. That yeah. takes work and it takes effort and it takes focus and it takes some self um, exploration to maybe figure out what are those narratives in my head that I need to work through before I do that. So we had a really um, had a powerful conversation with my mom on Sunday and I probably heard her differently than I ever have and I'm 43 because I was willing to just listen and say, what is she looking for here? What is she hoping for? Truly, I mean, I'm always criticizing my empathy for lack of boundaries, but at the same time, it gives me the ability. I don't use it as a tool as much as I should. How about I just shift and I try to really just listen and put myself where she is, what she's trying to say, because Mm -hmm. she's looking for validation She's looking for belonging. Mm -hmm. She's looking for, please acknowledge this. And fighting that is useless. So it's really, it's it's been interesting. And now um, my sister-in-law, Jess, and I talk a lot via text. And I am telling you, I say some profound (laughs) things in text messages. (laughs) And so we were texting back and forth. And she said, this just makes me question truth altogether like what is yeah and it is subjective in so many different ways um so to kind of think about that and to ponder that so as a mentor I'll show up tomorrow to to see and hear Haley Mm -hmm. with hopefully my best self and my best self for listening and acknowledging and listening for where she is we talk Mm -hmm. a lot about meeting people where they are but really Mm. I mean how many of us are really doing that Mm -hmm. I listened to a little bit of a hidden brain uh, podcast and they were talking about resources that they give people in poverty and trainings and so the mentality is well we gave you this training and we put this training out there well Mm -hmm. if you only offer the training one time how likely are they to to get on top of that and sign up for that so I was thinking to myself I'm pretty rigid in here's the training date, here's the information, here's when this is happening. Sure. Is that really meeting people where they're at? Mm-hmm. And so the question I've started really focusing on is what are they showing up for in their life? Are they showing up to meet with their mentee? Awesome. They don't want to come to an academy or a huddle? Okay. Really? What, if they're showing up for that kid, that's all I care about. Yep. Really, at the end of the day, that's where my heart is. What do they need? Yeah. What do they need so they keep showing up for that kid? It might not be a pizza or an ice cream social. Some people do not like those things. <laughs> and that I do, but some people you do not. <laughs> right. So what am I doing and how am I in my role meeting people where they are so that they keep doing, like Lauren said, done what I can yeah. so that when I pass the torch on to them they can yeah. they can do their best hmm. it's interesting our conversation has made me think of a quote that I have previously always detested but it's made me think about it in a new light um, and I think it's usually attributed to C.S. Lewis and um, and it's the definition of humility and it's not thinking um, thinking less of yourself it's thinking about yourself less and um, I've always 
had a hard time with that quote because I think that when we sometimes the connotation of that is to just not think about yourself but I think we need to understand how to think about ourselves rightly but now that I've revisited it through our conversation it just came to me and I kept thinking how much more are we taken out of our own perspective and story when we choose to acknowledge that someone else has one Yes. Right. When I meet with Zakariana weekly, when I choose to take myself out of my own, gosh, I don't know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a mentor or don't feel like I'm supporting her in the best of the ways and the grief that she's walking through. If I choose to just say what perspective might she might be bringing, you know, and what is what what can I do to help honor that? Right. Honor that perspective. And it takes me out of myself. Right. When I meet someone that has a hard time formulating full conversations instead of thinking gosh like what's wrong with them or even what what can I do to help or gosh I'm glad that I can say a sentence well you know instead if I choose to say what perspective are they coming from and where can I honor them right where they're at it takes me out of myself right so I think that 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 definition of humility and I will you know ask C.S. Lewis for forgiveness um, because I have um, sometimes had a hard time with that quote but real recognizing that when you choose to to acknowledge somebody else, it does take you out of yourself. It takes you out of the negative stories and the negative narratives that we have about ourselves. when I choose to concentrate on another person, right? You know I'm a big fan of On Being, and there's been a lot of um, blogs, and they did an interview with, um, oh, and I won't be able to think of her name. And I'm, I'm not going to get into what the topic was, but it's, <laughs> it's about... She has a very strong stance on choice, and she's a Catholic sister, or Catholic. Sure. Um, I cannot think of her. Francis Kissling, maybe? So anyway, she models this. I mean, just can I have a conversation so that I hear you? There, yeah. If we don't come together and hear one another... And I really, I've been noticing some things with social media posts where I used to just dismiss people and think, you have got to be kidding me that that's what, how you just responded to that. And I've stopped a little bit and thought, why do you think that? Mm. What might be behind that thinking? Why sure. might that be where you are? Because I think we can do this on low levels of, you know, tests. Would you, how would you feel today if your name, we changed your name to Felix? Would you readily accept that? I mean, we can joke about that and we can think, okay, well, I like I, I like envisioning what Felix would look like the way that you use your handwriting. So I'm fully accepting of it. Yeah. But why might you be a little bit hesitant to that? And so on that low level, we can think about those things. Mm-hmm. But how hard is it when people are faced with significant change or challenge of their beliefs? for them to open their hearts and their minds to hear someone else's perspective. Mm. And I think I'm really going to have to practice that. Really practice that. Because I've been saying that since 2016's um, (laughs) moments. I've been been saying that, but have I really done it? Mm. Have I really in practice done that? Mm. That's good. And um, one of the things I shared with my brother was a... um, my grandpa was awesome, and he um, was very self-taught, loved history. He also was very, very encouraging of um, open-mindedness. And he used to tell me all the time, you know, I don't want to use the word, but 
liberal. He would say, you know, that means you listen. That means your mind is open even when people disagree. And I remember thinking, yeah, okay, but but they really should think this way. (laughs) And it's about really, and I don't care the political connotation, but just really listening and really having an open mind. Why might that person be coming to the table with whatever narrative, whatever story, whatever truth? Mm-hmm. And how can I hear it and honor it, but also keep within you know my own boundaries and my own my own truth? Gosh, we have deep conversations. Wow. Okay. Um, Well, we'd love for you all, as you're listening and kind of reflecting and responding to our conversation today, we'd love for you first to um, tell us what you think about being born in one generation and feeling kindred spirit with another generation or feeling like you belong in another generation. Um, What do you think about that? Do you feel like that can be a reality? Uh, Have you personally walked through that? Um, Let us know. We'd love to know your thoughts. And then secondly, we'd love for you to think about this idea of the, the subjectivity of truth, where, um, where people might be coming from in their lives. So think about, I'd love for you to reflect as you're thinking through the week or, or even thinking back over the last few days about what are some situations in which truth has looked different for different people that might have even witnessed the same situation or the same thing, like Allie's Christmas tree falling. (laughs) Um, Where do you feel like there's a difference in a perspective of truth? And then um, the challenge that I really want to make is um, I would love for you all to spend the next few days thinking about um, with every person that you interact with, assuming that they're doing the best that they can do. How does that change your perspective? Right. And I would love it if you have a story of that, an example of that, Email us, comment um, on our Instagram post. Tess, I'm thinking the Instagram post would be awesome if you use that C.S. Lewis quote. Yeah. Um, or maybe even think about a way that you could share it, um, sure. your experience. Um, you as a listener, how could you share your experience? Would you be willing to um, write it to us and then we share it here? Would it be something that you'd be willing to record and send to us and we could play Um, as part of this so I think we're ever evolving with the podcast Mm -hmm. we never know what we're going to talk about and today today was one of the heavy ones we might need a light one for next time (laughs) we'll see well Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to episode 27 of Jen and Millie Um, we're new to the podcasting world so be sure to give us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice to interact with us and, and to respond to some of these questions and thoughts that we've posed. Um, we'd love for you to follow us on Instagram at, at Jenna Millie. That's um, at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-E. Until next time. <laughs>